Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. Open your Bibles tonight to the book of Acts. We're continuing in the book of Acts tonight. I'm enjoying just walking through the book of Acts. I never intended to do this. I just intended to share a message on it when we started a few weeks ago. But we're all the way into verse 3 now, so I can't quit. My goodness, we, you know, we got an investment here. And so uh, we're going to continue uh, the book of Acts. And tonight, the, the uh, subtopic or subtitle of the message tonight is The Promise. The promise, and I am excited about getting to share tonight. And this evening as we continue, uh, you know, so far we've discussed in the first three verses, um, you know, uh, who wrote the book of Acts. Of course, Luke did. And uh, Luke, the beloved physician, he wrote it uh, from research and it was inspired by God as a testimony, as a word of God testimony of all that Jesus did while he was living and ministering on planet earth as son of man and son of God. And he wrote then after that a second letter, the book of Acts, to this same gentleman to continue to tell what Jesus did after he went to heaven what he did through us and through the power of the Holy Spirit empowering the followers of Jesus Christ. And, you know, uh, we talked about the approximate date of this second letter. And we also talked about the importance of God's plan for the church and how the church was the vehicle of God. We talked last week about the kingdom of God, that the kingdom does not come with observation, that the kingdom of God is on the inside of us. And that's what it's all about is God is building his kingdom inside of us and he lives in us. And uh, we also talked about unfinished business and our next step, you know, where we are in Christ and what we need to do next in order to help fulfill the plan of God. And for the sake of continuity and context, I'll try to keep from uh, uh, rehashing it, but we're going to go ahead and read the first three verses again since we've already got that investment. And then we'll begin and pick up for tonight with the promise in verse four. Are you ready? Acts chapter one, reading from the New King James Version. The former account, talking about the book of Luke, the former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering, after he went to the cross and was, you know, uh, a scourged. He, he, he was resurrected and showed himself alive by many infallible proofs being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. He came back and talked to them about the real kingdom, where the kingdom was, that the kingdom was not going to come with observation. They didn't understand it, and they still won't understand it. They're going to ask another question a little later, you know, uh, uh, down, and, and, and he'll have to explain it to them one more time. That, no, no, I'm not going to be setting up a physical kingdom on the earth at this point. That is a later point. We are in a phase of building a spiritual kingdom. I have gotten all power and all authority has been given unto me. I have the keys of death and hell, and I want you to go and do some work so that we can begin to build the kingdom on the inside of people because it is people it is my my followers that they, they are a royal priesthood they're a holy nation they are a peculiar people they are lively stones and the tabernacle of
of God will be built out of these lively stones. We're going to be building a kingdom on the earth, but it's going to be built, you know, like the church is. It's going to be built out of my followers. And what I need to do is build a kingdom in them. And then when we collectively come together, we will be the habitation of God in the spirit. Okay? Each one of you are a tabernacle. You're a stone. And when we put together, we are made into a holy tabernacle for God. That's what the church is as well. So, he was telling them about the kingdom. In verse 4, as we begin tonight, and being assembled together, talking about uh, these um, disciples that were following him, his apostles, being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. Now, this was basically 40 days after his, uh, um, after his resurrection. Okay? He had been in the, in the grave three days, 40 more days. Okay? It's been 43 days right here in this point since Jesus had been crucified, 40 days since he had been resurrected. It was on a Sunday, okay? And he says, being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise. Wait for the promise. Hence our subtitle, The Promise. Wait for the promise. Stay in Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. You see, when Luke began to write this second letter to this man, Theophilus, he wanted to connect first letter and second letter. He needed to connect them. They're, they're both written by Luke. And they're both written to Theophilus. One is about what Jesus did while he ministered in his body on earth as son of God and son of man. The other one is what Jesus did through his disciples and apostles, through the people he anointed with the Holy Spirit. He continued to direct them from heaven. But he wanted to connect the book of Luke and the book of Acts. In order to connect these two books, he needed what might be considered a hinge pin. He needed a hinge scripture. He needed a common thought to connect these two because he began way back here with, with, with you know, with, with uh, uh, John the Baptist and then with Mary hearing from the angel and the birth of Jesus, it takes him all through the ministry and the, and the, you know, the arrest and the crucifixion and the, and burial and resurrection. And then, you know, we, we get to chapter 24, of the book of Luke and at chapter 24, he closes the book of Luke and then he wants to pick up with the book of Acts, but he needs something to connect them. He connects this first letter and this second letter with this promise, with this thought, wait for the promise. Okay. You can see this connection in Luke 24 and verse 49. Behold, as he's finishing the book of Luke, as he's concluded, behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. I, I'm, I'm going to send the promise. That's one of the last things that Jesus said on the earth. But, you know, one of the last things that he's telling his disciples, listen, behold, uh, you know, uh, wait here in Jerusalem until you be endued. That word endued means to be, uh, for something to be put on the inside of you, immutably stationed, permanently positioned. What he's 
saying is I am going to enduo is the Greek word. I'm going to immutably station. I'm going to permanently position the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. It, it, once the Holy Spirit comes in and takes residence on the inside of you, then there will be a forever thing, an eternal thing. And wait here in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high, until I send the promise of my Father. And so the book of Luke kind of ends with that promise. And now in the book of Acts, in verse 4 and 5, he's recounting that to connect the two. That's the hinge pin. Okay? Wait for the promise. Being assembled together, he told them, do not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise which you've heard me say. You know, John baptized with water. Yeah, but I am going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Just hold on. In fact, it's going to be seven days from the time that he went up, you know, and, and, and the Holy Spirit came down. It's going to be the following Sunday. Now, the promise to which Jesus was referring, what is the promise that he's talking about? What is the promise Jesus spoke of? What is this promise Luke is referring to? What is this promise? Well, the promise is the Holy Spirit. That's the promise of God. Always was. It was always. It was always was. Uh, the promise uh, that, that, that the Holy Spirit would come to live, take up residence, be permanently positioned. That, 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 that is a very important concept. It's a very important uh, tenant, a very important doctrine for us to embrace. Is that this Holy Spirit, the promise of God, is that the Holy Spirit was one day going to come and live on the inside of you. Men and women, boys and girls, were going to become the tabernacle of God in the earth. We were going to become the temple of God. Know you not that your body is the temple of God? Okay? And, and, and that God's going to live in there. And he's going to be permanent permanently positioned in your soul, inside of your body, your body containing your soul and the Holy Spirit giving life to your spirit eternal. You will become immortal when the Holy Spirit, if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, it will make your mortal body contain an immortal soul. You, you will become immortal. That's what he's saying. That's the promise of the Father. That was God's promise from the beginning. We've heard it caged in many different ways through the scriptures by different prophets and by different, you know, writers. Uh, you know, one is Emmanuel, and he shall be Emmanuel. What is Emmanuel? God with us. Yeah, that's what Jesus became. I mean, look around, I don't see him. But the promise was Emmanuel. God with us. You see, there is one hope of glory. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That as God was in me, Jesus said, and I am in you. you know, everything is yea and amen in Christ, and Christ in is, is in us. You know, I will come in and abide with you, that where I am, there you may be also. I mean, I will abide, you know, the Father and I will, will make our abode with you. All of these scriptures all throughout Old and New Testament, they're all making a promise, is that one day we would never have to be separated from God again. 
that where I am, there you may be also, and you may, that there may we be ever with the Lord. It's a forever and eternal thing. Whenever we receive the Holy Spirit in our lives, when we accept and receive, when the Holy Spirit comes in our lives, we are forever immortal with God. That's the promise of the Father. That's a pretty good deal. I mean, God's working pretty hard for something, but it's pretty big what he's working for. The promise, he plainly declared, Jesus is that the Holy Spirit is coming. And Peter, on the day of Pentecost, a week from the time that Jesus said this, and he went up into heaven, okay? A week later, 50 days after Passover, that's how we know it's a week later, because it's Pentecost, the 50th day after, you know, the, 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 after Pentecost, uh, after uh, Passover. The way we know that it didn't go away on the day of Pentecost, you know, when those 120, the, the way we know that that just was not a one-time fulfillment is because Peter and a group of about 120 were in an upper room. We, we'll, we'll be reading about it at some point when we get to Acts 2. They were in an upper room, if we ever get to Acts 2. They were, Jesus doesn't come first, <laughs> or I die of old age. Gets to, we get to chapter 2, and, and Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit, tongues of fire set upon him. They begin to speak in tongues and prophesy, and they went out of that upper room, and they went out in the streets, and they begin to witness, and they begin to speak in tongues, and everybody heard them, and the people that were hearing them was from, were, were, were from every nation. They were speaking every language. Their, 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 the language. their native languages were so many, and all of a sudden, people began to hear these 120 who had been Filled with the Holy Spirit, they began to, to hear them speak in their own native language and declare the wonderful and marvelous works of God. And so when people were asking, my goodness, what is this? What's going on? What in the world is happening? Are these people drunk? Of course they weren't drunk. I mean, come on, I can't even speak English when I get drunk. I used to not could even speak English when I would get drunk. <laughs> I hadn't been drunk in so many years. Gosh, last four or five had been great. Here, uh, we, we, we understand that Peter, he takes this occasion and he steps up to the plate and he preaches his first sermon in the streets of Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. Now, Pentecost has already happened. Okay. And yet Peter, when he is concluding his first sermon, he tells them, this didn't just come for us 120. It didn't just come to the 12. We get down to Acts, the second chapter, verse 38 and 39. Look what it says. Then Peter, he's, he's, he's concluding his first sermon that day on the day of Pentecost to all these people in the streets. 3,000 are going to get saved that day, okay? Then Peter said to them, repent. Repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You'll get the very same thing that we got in that room. Okay? I mean, it didn't just end right there. It'll happen to you too. If you will just give yourself. Now, he's, he's, he's talking to all these religious Jews who have come for the feast of Shavuot. 
the Feast of Weeks, known to us in the New Testament as the Feast of Pentecost. They've come to Jerusalem because it is one of the top three festivals that God has commanded his children to keep in Jerusalem every year. So everyone who possibly could every year for the last 1,500 years came to Jerusalem. Everyone who possibly could. Deuteronomy 16, 16 said three times in every year shall all the males appear before me in the place where I shall choose to place my name, in the feast of Passover, in the feast of Shabbat, which is weeks, the Feast of Pentecost and the Feast of Tabernacles. And so they were there, people from all over the world. And here, Peter is saying to them, you can get what we got. We followed Jesus for three and a half years and we have worked for it, but you can get it today. It can happen to you right now and all you have to do is turn your life over to him. And he's saying, for the promise, verse 39, he said, listen, you, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, for the promise. You see, that's the promise. For the promise, this has always been the promise of God. For the promise is to you, but it's not just to you. You can take it home and give it to your kids. It's to you and to your children. And guess what? It's to as many as are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God will call. As long as God is still calling people to repentance and salvation, as long as God is, is calling people to come and be saved, he is offering them immortal existence, eternal life by the power of the Holy Spirit. Wow. Does that interest anyone else? Peter is encouraging the Jews that are listening to him preach. They're in the streets of Jerusalem, perhaps maybe, maybe an hour, maybe two hours after he's been filled with the Holy Ghost. After this first experience of tongues of fire came down and set up on 120. I mean, I mean, just uh, this is fresh. This is brand new. My goodness. Oh, wow. Can you believe this? Just an hour ago, he's locked up afraid of the Jews. He's praying and they're in one accord. They know what's going on. Jesus has been gone for seven days and he doesn't know what's. And all of a sudden, a mighty wind came blowing into the place where they were praying and cloven tongues as a fire set up on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they began to speak in tongues I mean this had to freak them out and less than an hour two hours you know, at the most I mean he they, they went out streets and started started you know uh, uh, speaking in tongues and being a witness and people begin to question and Peter gets up and he preaches about a 15 you know, about a 10 minute sermon you can read it and at the end of the sermon he said this is not only for you but it's for your children and to all who are afar off. To everyone that the Lord will call, this is for them. The promise is to them. Now, go with me here on this. Peter is stressing the importance of being saved and of being water baptized and being filled with the Holy Spirit. He's stressing that importance. Peter is not establishing a doctrine of repentance here. He will talk about repentance and, and Paul will talk about repentance, but this is not about repentance, okay? This is about allowing, uh, uh, this is about turning. These, imagine these, these, these Jews in Jerusalem, they know nothing about Jesus. They're, they're, they're not Christians. They've not been in a, you know, they've not been listening to the radio. They 
hadn't been reading the Bible. They, they, they haven't ever been witnessed to. No, 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 I mean, these are people from everywhere and, and, and they're devout Jews from every nation under heaven. They know nothing. And here he's telling them, he's not trying to get them to buy into a doctrine of repentance. He's not establishing a doctrine. He's not establishing the doctrine of water baptism. He's not establishing a doctrine of remission of sins. He's establishing a doctrine of turning your life over to Christ so that you might be a candidate to receive the promise of God, which is eternal life. He's trying his best to get them to be saved. And indeed, right after this, a few more verses there, he is going to see 3,000 of them get saved. Okay? Now, he was answering a question that they had. What's going on here? Why do we hear this? He's, he's, he's preaching them, trying to explain. He's not, you know, they, they haven't asked a question about repentance, haven't asked a question about water baptism. They have asked a simple question. What is going on? He said, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. We'll get to that in a moment. But Peter told the 3,000 people that day that they could be saved. And they can be subsequent to salvation, water baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And if they would repent, that's turn your life over to him. Turn, turn from your way to his way. He's talking to them about Jesus, whom they knew that just, he was the talk of the town. This Jesus, just 50 days ago, had been crucified, dead, buried, and went missing. And everybody had believed he was Messiah. This is something all the city knew. And now he's telling them what you're seeing is a result of that man whom was crucified. He, that's what he preached about. And, and those whom he crucified, God hath made him both Lord and King of us all. And if you will just repent and be baptized, these are two very important tenets of, 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 of turning your life over to Christ. And he's saying that you can be Field, you will also have that Holy Spirit immutably, immutably positioned on the inside of you, and you will become an immortal soul, a child of God, a born again believer. He's telling them that if you will turn your life over to Him right now, it will signify a few things. What will it do? Number one, it will make a statement that you believe that Jesus is Messiah. I mean, come on now, put yourself in the shoes of that Jew from Rome, from Crete, from Greece, who's there that day. Ooh, he's being faced with this pretty awesome decision. I mean, he's feeling the anointing of God. He's hearing Peter preach and explain the scriptures to him. I mean, he doesn't have the New Testament. He's never been witnessed to before. He's a Jew, a devout Jew. He came because he wanted to celebrate the giving of the Ten Commandments. That, that, that's what the, the Feast of Pentecost is about. The giving of the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai when God gave them through Moses. That was done and that's what the Feast of Pentecost uh, commemorates. And 
He was there to celebrate that. And all of a sudden, something's happening. All of a sudden, miracles and signs and wonders. He's hearing all this stuff. And now he's been challenged to believe. Somebody's just witnessed to him for the first time in his life. Somebody's just witnessed to that lady for the very first time in her life. And now she's being challenged to say, I believe that Jesus is Messiah. That's a pretty big deal for a Jew in that day right there in Jerusalem when they just killed that same Jesus just less than six weeks ago. Seven weeks ago, seven weeks and one day ago, (laughs) they just killed him. And now you're asking me to say, I believe. (laughs) Come on. Every one of you that's out here witnessing, y'all were locked up in fear just an hour ago. And now you're coming out here trying to get me to join your suicide squad. Do you know what I'm doing? I'm, I'm committing, you know, martyrdom here. To say yes. Peter being bold enough as we need to be when we're witnessing and say, repent. Repent and give your life. What is he saying? What that repentance and water baptism would do? Well, repentance would be something on the inside. That repentance on the inside would be them giving their heart and saying, I believe. I believe in Jesus as Messiah. And, and, And this water baptism would be them making a public profession of their faith. That Jesus Christ, Son of God, is Messiah and my Savior. I'm pledging my life to him. That would be an outward sign of that inward revelation of who he was. I mean, Peter is asking them a pretty tall order. But he's not making it easy for them to say yes. He's telling them all in. You need to be all in. And if you're going to, listen, if, if you're going to get what I got and it's for you, then it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you in your heart for you to identify and say, you know, I do believe. And you know, I don't care who knows it. That public profession of faith as they turn their lives over to Christ. Water baptism, he said, in the name of Jesus. The little Greek word, repent and be baptized for remission of sins that you may receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You've seen Acts 2.38 hung on signs and ball games. And you know, y'all ever see it? I mean, it's written all over the place, okay? Acts 2.38, Acts 2.38. Uh, that has been made a scripture trying to get you to be water baptized or you go to hell. That's not the truth. So I want to know that's not what that, that's not what that scripture is about. The little Greek word for is the Greek word ice. And this is what it means. It can mean for. In many different senses, it can also mean because of. And in this sense, it means for in the shade of because of. Repent and be baptized because your sins have been for, because your sins have been forgiven. Repent repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus because your sins have been forgiven. And for goodness sakes, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let Jesus in. Repent and be baptized. Make a, a, a heart confession. Make a public confession. And receive Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. And right now, he's not talking about speaking in tongues. He's talking about receiving the Holy Spirit, which you receive when you get born again. Okay? Let's don't get our doctrines all messed up here. You don't have to speak in tongues to go to heaven, by the way. Okay, that's not what he's saying. That's also a doctrine that's been taken out of this scripture that is not a good, solid, Bible-based, whole word of God doctrine. 
they could be water baptized. If you will turn your life, if you will repent, if you will make a heart change, if you will make a decision that Jesus is the Son of God, if you will believe in Jesus, the Son of God, you have an opportunity. You have an opportunity to, to have your sins forgiven, to be water baptized and make a public profession of faith so that you can receive salvation by the coming of the Holy Spirit into your life. You can't get saved without the Holy Spirit. That's what he's saying. If you want to know what the Word says, look at the Word. His name is Jesus. He was water baptized. He was water baptized. He did not get water baptized to become the Son of God. He was water baptized because he was the Son of God. You don't get baptized to become saved. You get baptized because you were saved. You get baptized because you are a child of God. Getting baptized before you get born again does nothing for you. It gets you wet. So, you can do it all day long. You can live in a baptismal. It ain't going to save you. It ain't going to wash away your sins. But boy, I tell you what, if you will repent, you can be water baptized because your sins have been forgiven and you can be born again. You must receive Christ to be born again, not just change your life. You must receive him. You must not only believe in your heart, but you must confess through the mouth and call upon the name of the Lord to save you. You know, John the Baptist didn't baptize Jesus so that Jesus could become the son of God. It was a point of identification. Heaven opened up and God said, this is my beloved son. Why? Because if we profess him before men, he professes us before others in heaven. Whenever we say we belong to him, he says from heaven, they belong to me. Let everybody know. Water baptism is recognition of a covenant that a person has with God through faith in Jesus Christ in his name. We don't get water baptized so that our sins will be forgiven. We get water baptized because our sins have been forgiven. That's, that agrees with every other scripture on water baptism, salvation, and forgiveness. This one, in order for you to believe this a different way, it would have to stand alone and tell its own story. It doesn't fit into the one picture that God is painting and the one story God is telling. Water baptism is a point of public identification. Water baptism in the name of Jesus is saying, look at me. I have submitted my life and I have committed my life to Jesus Christ. He is my Lord. I have separated myself from others. I have been water baptized in his name. Now, if you want to be my follower, we can baptize you in my name. And you can say, look here, I've been baptized in the name of Ron Hammonds and I am a follower of Ron Hammonds. You know, people do that all over the world. Isn't that strange? Not Ron Hammonds, but a lot of other <laughs> weird gurus. Water baptism in the name of Jesus. You know, the name of Jesus, by the way, is not magic. It's not pixie dust that you throw on something. Okay. What does it mean in the name of Jesus? What does in the name of Jesus mean? Why, do, why would we do it in the name of Jesus? Uh, you know, well, when we do anything in the name of Jesus, it means that we are doing it for him and we are doing it because of him. That's what in the name of means. I'm doing it for him. I'm doing it in his name. 
Okay? If I, uh, if I call or get on my app, it's my Sonic app, and I, and I get me a Sonic burger and I pay whatever it is, I don't know, $5.99 for it. And it says, you know, uh, name, and I put Ron. When you go down there to pick up for me, you pick it up in my name. Hello? Does that make sense? Do you know a lot of people do things in the name of Jesus that Jesus doesn't approve of and he didn't pay for? Hello? You know, I wouldn't do this because I'm a little bit afraid of this guy. I, I, I invited him one time to come down whenever I was all buff about 25 years ago and invited him to come down and lift some weights and play racquetball with me because I was in top shape and he wore me out and lifted more than I did and beat me in racquetball a few times. So I don't want to go over and slap this guy. But uh, if I went over and slapped Pastor Casey in the name of Jeff Phillips, wow! <laughs> now, Jeff might not have sent me to do that. He might not approve. You know, not, I mean, could I go and, and, you know, steal something at the 7-Eleven in your name? How, how, how happy would you make, how happy would that make you with me? Whenever the police stop me and they say, who are you? I'm going to say, you know, I'm Jared Romine. I stole this in his name. They're going to go pick Jared up. Jared's going to be implicated. You know, ladies going to go question him. But there's no, there's no stupid law like that. That would be a stupid, stupid, stupid thing. You just can't go out doing anything you want to in the name of Jesus. And yet people do. People do stuff. And the world hangs it on Jesus. Do you know people kill and murder people in the name of their God? And their God is so far from that junk. They're just lying in the name. They're doing it because they want to. Hello? There's something wrong with them. There's something wrong. With, you know, some people take the Bible and basically cuss people out with it in the name of Jesus. Condemn people to hell in the name of Jesus. He don't approve of that. You can do it all day long in the name of Jesus, but you're not doing it in the name of Jesus. You're doing it in the name of you. Oh, that's pretty good preaching. You see, we can only do in the name of Jesus what Jesus approves. And there's plenty in there he approves of, okay? He's not weak and he's not a coward, but neither is he mean and cantankerous. Okay? So when he says, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus... That's not just magic pixie dust. What he means is repent and be baptized because this is what Jesus approves of. He has authorized you to publicly identify with him as a child of the king. He approves of you being baptized. If you will repent he, and, and turn your life over to him, Jesus will approve of you being publicly identified as one of his born-again believers. Now, you need to read the rest of the book and learn how to act like one. Yeah, that's right. 
But that's what being water baptized, and, and you'd also be water baptized. It's not just Jesus approving of it. You know, it's, it's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost approving you being baptized. If you will repent and turn your life over to him, then you can be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Woo, glory to God. They approve of me. I got, you know, I mean, come on. They're approving of me of getting into that club. He's approving of me being a part of the born again, immortal new creations in Christ Jesus. Oh my goodness. He'll let me be water baptized? Yes, if you will repent and your sins forget. Yes, you can. You can become a bona fide, certified, baptized child of Almighty God. That's what he approves of. Well, I don't have time to finish this. Uh, we, we didn't even, where, where did we get? We were going to get somewhere, but you get the picture, okay? It's important to realize that there's a promise out here. Always has been, always will be. As long as God is still calling people. The promise is, is that you can receive the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, there are two things talked about in this, in, 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 in where we're going. One of them is salvation by the Holy Spirit. And another one is what we often call the infilling or the filling or the baptism of the Holy Spirit in a different manner. But we will talk about that. I'll explain it. It's very simple. It's not spooky. You know, it's very simple to understand. But here he's talking about getting saved because the Holy Ghost comes on the inside of you when you get saved. You get all of the Holy Spirit you're ever going to get when you get born again. Okay? You get all of the Holy Spirit when you get born again. Not every time does the Holy Spirit get all of you. And that's the difference. 